as I considered what's been so helpful for me and what I would hope to pass on to the next generation, I really just wanted to take a few minutes to tell us uh, about this, this thing called genuine relationships and how we, we, we fight for genuine relationships. It's uh, actually one of our distinctives as a movement, which actually sounds a bit weird when you think about it. So we can only list a certain amount of things as a distinctive, and we put on there, like, friendship. You know, like, that's one of our distinctives as a movement. But, man, I think it's been so essential for us. Um, you know, when I was a kid uh, growing up, I'll date myself here. I, um, you, know, you know how you knew who was a Christian? Because we wore WWJD bracelets, right? <laughs> Anybody else in the room, WWJD bracelet wearers? If you're still wearing it, it's like that's done gone, right? So you can take that off, you know? And that thing is probably disgusting by now, so you can take it off. That's actually how we knew who the super Christians were, because theirs were like gross. Like you couldn't even see the, the letters anymore. They were like, I really love Jesus. I won't even get a new one of these things. Um, so that's what we did when we were, and, and, then, and then as, you know, as we grew up a little bit, I started, you know, kind of thinking, okay, so in, in Christians, we only listen to music made by Christian bands, and so I, that's how you know you're a Christian, and I was in a pizza hut eating with my friends, and someone put on uh, Friends in Low Places by Garth Brooks, and I took off running out of the restaurant holding my ears because I'm a Christian, you know, um, so that, 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 that was a season for me, and then I've, I've seen how for some people, you know, what distinguishes you as a Christian is that you vote a certain way, and all these things missed the mark. All of them missed the mark. I mean, we, look what Jesus said. He said in John 13, 35, by this, all people will know that you're my disciples when you have this disgusting little bracelet on your hand. No, if you have love for one another. And the truth is we wore these bracelets, but we didn't have love for one another. We, we just keep changing the mark. We keep making it something that it's not. And so I've listed some silly things, but, but man, we have other things that we think that's what makes us a Christian. We go to church. Or whatever the case may be, we serve the poor or whatever, but actually it's, it's love for one another. And so I want to charge the next generation to fight for genuine relationships, for authentic gospel-shaped friendships. In our day, uh, friendship has been redefined by Facebook. In my day, friendship was defined by a Michael W. Smith song, um, which we won't sing now because it's just, please stop. Heresy. Uh, please stop, man. Real, really, really. These guys are meant to be leaders. Um, but you know, uh, this Facebook thing is now taking. When you think it, when you say the word friends, you think about Facebook, right? Um, and so I have on Facebook, I have thousands of friends who I don't even know. I don't know them. They don't know me. And so what we've got actually is a whole bunch of, of, a bunch of people who we've defined as friends who aren't actually friends by the, by the definition of friendship. And so it's left us, actually, we feel surrounded, but we're actually alone. We're actually isolated. No one knows the real us. They just know us on Facebook, right? Um, the Bible calls us to something so much deeper. And I think of uh, Proverbs 17, 17, a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. We need friends like that. But as a generation, I'm seeing people whose friendship world looks a lot more like Proverbs 18.24, which says, a man of many companions may come to ruin. We need friends, not companions. And in a world of increasing shallowness and individualization, one of the greatest things we can do is help to model 
genuine relationships. And so I just want to walk us through this. I want to tell you first and foremost, we do not get genuine relationships without a fight. We just don't get it without a fight. It sounds great on the website, but when the rubber meets the road, you find out it's a real challenge. I'll give you some of the challenges. I think, you know, one of the challenges for us in genuine relationships is that, frankly, shallow is easy and and deep is hard. Shallow relationships are easy. Going deep, that's hard. That's hard. Everybody at church is always fine. Have you noticed that? How are you doing? I'm fine. How are you doing? I'm fine. Okay, Holy Spirit, you can move on to another church. We're all fine. We're fine. We don't like to go deep with people. It's easy to stay shallow. That's a challenge. Another challenge is that new relationships are fun and old relationships are really challenging. I know that not everyone here is married, but for those of us who are, I mean, you think about that first date experience. You know, it's exciting, there's butterflies, or it's terrifying with diarrhea. It's one of those two. Um, mix of both. You know, when you first fall in love, newlyweds, any newlyweds in the room? In the last couple of years you've been married, anybody? We would know because you'd be making out nonstop. It's disgusting. It's a public service announcement there. Please stop. Um, but as you get old in marriage, what naturally happens, the exception becomes couples still in love. Over time, it becomes a challenge. Life is hard and relationships are hard. And so new is fun and exciting. I love to meet new people. But actually doing life with someone over a long haul is actually really challenging and hard. Another just quick challenge is that conferences are organized. This is easy. We're all here. And real life is busy. This can't be it. But sometimes that's what we do. We just make this it. Oh, I did it. We have to push past that. So um, having deep, lasting relationships is hard. We have to fight for it. How do we do that? I want to read a text, and I'm sure you know well, but this has been a very helpful, for me, this has been a life-shaping text around how to do this. Romans 12, verse 1. I appeal, and that word appeal is to, 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 to beseech, it's to, um, it's to charge. I, I charge you, therefore, Brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to the world, right? So we've already talked about some of the world's framework for for friendship, for relationship. Don't don't do that. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I I say, he's now going to charge everyone again, I say to everyone among you, Not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of it. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, if the one who teaches and is teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness, let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil and hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. 
Do not be slothful in zeal, but be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Seek to show hospitality. Bless those who curse you. Bless and do not curse them. How's that for countercultural? Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to what is honorable in the sight of all. And if possible, if possible, so far as it depends on you in this real-life world of relationships, live peaceably with all. This has been a life-shaping text for me. A powerful charge. Let love be genuine. The word genuine there, it, it, it means unfeigned. It means without hypocrisy. It means sincere. It, it means that we're not phonies in the way that we treat one another. That there aren't insincere motives in the way that we interact with one, one another. That we're not two-faced. We're not acting one way and then actually we, we, we are something different. But to do that in, in real life, to, to live like that, to live this out, requires a lot of discipline. It requires that we push past the norms of shallowness. It requires that we open ourselves up and we, we make ourselves vulnerable, which means we might get hurt by this friend, by this relationship. It requires that we deal with those hurts in a godly way. I've seen so much of this over the last couple of days. Friends having the courage to, 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 to admit need. Friends having courage to say, hey, that hurt. Friends having courage to do that stuff. And this is something we must fight to pass down. So let me just unpack it quickly. Just some points that we see in this passage. Uh, I think one of the first things we see here is embracing humble confidence and thankfulness. Paul says, hey, everybody, just, just don't go around tooting your own horn. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. You're just part of the body. Jesus is the head. You're not that. That's clearly the most important one. You're just part of the body. So, so have some humility about yourself. Have confidence. Hey, I am part of the body. So we're not trying to get into this, like, this situation where, you know, woe is me. I, I'm, not, I, I'm not anything. No, 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 no. I, I, have, I have humble confidence. I'm just a part of the body, but I'm part of the body. And I'm thankful when I think about everyone else who's in this body with me. So much of the pain that I have caused some people in this room has come down to this. I thought I was more important than I actually was. I thought more of myself than I should have. And or, usually a combination of both, I wasn't thankful for the different gifts that others had. Brothers and sisters, we don't have the same gift. And guess what? It's a good thing. And guess what? More than that, it's a God thing. And when you know that God made you a certain way and God made them a certain way and God made it for you to work together, it, it, it transforms your perspective. We're not in competition with one another. We're on the same team. We're, on, we're in the same body. We've got to figure out how to do this together. And we embrace humility. We have confidence. And, and we're thankful for each other's differences. Another one is, is outdo one another in showing honor. This language is a language of competition. Compete, Paul says, which for us, a lot of us guys, that's a really easy thing to do. But how often do we compete like this? I'm going to outdo my brother in, in the way I honor them. That is so transformative. I want to just pause here for a second. We've, as a team of, of leaders, the guys, guys and gals who give a leadership to the movement of advance, we've had to do some business with each other and with God on this thing. 
Because there was, a, there was a, a, a bit of a thing going on where it felt like we were outdoing one another and showing humor. We, we were quick to take jabs and, that were cloaked like jokes. I, I made fun of these guys the other day for their tablecloth shirts. And I wore this today to give them all the opportunity in the world. And no one's, no one's taking me up on it. They're so godly and mature. You know, um, uh, one of the members of our team expressed uh, this sentiment not too long ago. He said, you know, when I, often when I leave our times together, I leave more aware of my insecurities and my weaknesses than I do of my strengths and my gifts. Hey, that's not a win. We, you, know, you know, there's plenty of people to wound you, plenty of people to beat you up, push you down. Plenty of people to do that. We must not be that people for each other. We should outdo one another in showing honor. I'm not saying we must mute the humor button. We, we can keep the volume where it is on humor, and we just need to turn the volume way up on honor. Because when humor is setting the culture, not honor, we are in trouble. And I reckon some of you guys might need to go back to your leadership teams and have a conversation. How, how, what's the ratio on joking about one another versus honoring the gifts God's given? Another one is have a boiling hot personal relationship with God. Have a boiling hot personal relationship with God. Uh, Paul says here, be fervent in spirit. You know what? I didn't even know what it meant. I had to go look it up. The word fervent means boiling or burning, and it specifically means about to boil over with passion. What's that getting at? Owning our own relationship with God and getting filled up by him. You know, when you and I don't get filled up by God, we desperately seek that same fulfillment from our friends. And the problem is they just can't give it. I heard this a long time ago. Two half people doesn't equal a whole relationship. You know, we're like when we're in a position of neediness, and we're desperate for someone else to validate us, we can't really be a friend. Because that, that's not what it means, right? We, we need to try to, to find security in who God has made us to be and who God is. And then in those moments, we're able to actually be the friend that we, we, we should be. One of the best ways we can fight for genuine relationships is to keep that relationship with God that we have fervent, to keep it boiling over. And I'd love you just to think about how differently you act as a friend when you're personally boiling over in your own relationship with God versus when you're not. And I'll tell you when I'm not, you know, and I've showed up to things like this, and I've been not boiling over in my passion for God and my relationship with God. You know what I've, I've, I've ended up being? Needy, proud, and insecure. And that has really hurt the relationships that God's given me. Another one that I think we see here is to rejoice in hope over one another. Oh, I think what this is getting at is we, we want to take a position of faith. We're not looking to cut everybody down. We're not holding back. I've known you a long time. I knew you way back when. And you were a, it was such a beautiful moment earlier when Rigby and Sue honored Tom and Una. Both of those couples are so worthy of honor. But the way Rig said, hey, what I remember about you. And Tom must have gone, 
Because I'm sure Tom's done things that he wishes he hadn't done. All of us have. And his friend's standing here in front of hundreds of people from around the world and says, hey, you know what I remember? This love you had for Jesus. This love you had for the church. And man, I still see it in you, Tom. Let's grow old together doing this. Let's, let's live our last days doing this. That's choosing to take a position of faith towards one another. Man, I can see God's doing something in you. I'm so excited about it. Not I know you way back when. You know, I, I, when I was a single guy, uh, I was living in Southern California for a while, and we just, it was so expensive. So we'd have like 50 people living in the same house. And um, we actually rented a house from Brian Barr. Um, and uh, I, I being, so I'm not from California, I'm from North Carolina, and we are just, this country is cornbread. And so I, I'm living in Southern California, and I think, man, you know what I need? A pet chicken. And so um, I got a chicken, and I named him Bojangles. It's a chicken restaurant where we live. Uh, North Carolina. I got a chicken named Bojangles, and he was living in the backyard. I didn't tell Brian, the landlord, that I was getting the chicken. I just got one. And um, he, I mean, he tore that place to shreds. I mean, he pooped on everything. We let him in the house. It was crazy. Uh, just now, just now, Brian's finding this out. And, um, and you know what happened is we moved out of the house. I'm sure I owed him heaps of, of like unpaid rent. Moved out of the house, moved on to somewhere else. And like a month later, Brian gets a new tenant, and the person gets the fright of their life. They go in the backyard, and there's a rotting dead chicken. I forgot about Bojangles. And so I just left this chicken to die, and he died in Brian's yard. And Brian's like, uh, did, did, did you by any chance uh, um, have a chicken? And I was like, Bojangles, is he alive? No, he's definitely, definitely not alive. He's definitely, definitely dead. You know, we've gone through some stuff together, man. I mean, I could come to Brian today and say, hey, Brian, I saw the way you treated Rachel, and actually it wasn't kind, and I want to point that out. You know what Brian could say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you're that dead chicken guy, right? <laughs> yeah, so when are you going to now be able to give me advice on anything? Because you're that guy who left that dead chicken. That's not the position we want to take with each other. If you walk a long enough road, you'll get plenty of things you could throw at somebody when they try to help you. Be patient with each other and forgive one another. I think one of the greatest tragedies currently is this graveyard of so many new relationships that just died way too soon. Because it seems like today we have no margin for any kind of trouble in the relationship. We don't know how to fight clean. There's this uh, saying in The Godfather, that might be the first and only time it ever gets quoted um, at an advance event, so... There's this saying that we go to the mattresses, and it was this like, it's like the moment has escalated so far that we're now just going to go kill these people. And what I see as I kind of, you know, purvey social media is everyone's going to the mattresses over everything. There's just no margin for, like, working stuff out. We just escalate like that. I think this, this next generation needs to learn how to fight clean for relationships that can actually stand the test of time because they haven't wiped each other out in the first conversation. I've personally hurt and offended a lot of people in this room. Sometimes I didn't even know I did it. What keeps us together is not the perpetual absence of tough times, but the commitment to patiently and courageously get through them together. What gets us through is not this, this perpetual absence of tough times. Like, wow, you guys are so lucky to have been friends this long and you've never gone through anything. No. It's not the perpetual absence of tough times. It's the commitment to patiently and courageously walk through them together.
We just have made a decision. We're not going anywhere in this relationship. And that's meant some hard stuff. Brian's getting used a lot here. Him and I have gone, we've gone through some stuff. We got at it one time with each other. I mean, it almost came to blows. And then um, Rachel, being the godly or nosy wife that she is, <laughs> verdict's out. She's reading Brian's text messages. And she goes, oh, you and Donnie had a fight. So without talking to him, she starts texting me. And she's like, you will work this out. I mean, she totally rebuked both of us. She said, you will work this out. God's made you to be friends. He's made you to be brothers. And, and I'm not letting this happen. I mean, it's just we've gone through some stuff. You know, it's like in a, in a marriage. If divorce is this word you're throwing around all the time at the beginning, well, hey, it seems to happen. If it's off the table, you find you can work through a whole lot. A couple set me and Jill down yesterday. They're here. I don't want to embarrass them, but they said, hey, a couple years back, you guys, Donnie, you said something. I think you meant well, but you really hurt us. And we didn't even know we were bitter until like a week or so ago. And it was like, oh, my gosh, we're bitter, and we wanted to work it out right away. They actually tried aggressively to call us. They live in another country, and we were unable to We just said, oh, let's get together at the end of the club. We had no idea. I totally forgot. I don't even know what happened. I want to grow old together with as many of you guys as possible. But we are going to offend and hurt each other. It will happen. And so we better have a plan for how to handle it in a godly way. But Donnie, you don't know what they said. You don't know what they did. It's true. But I do know that we are to forgive one another as Christ forgave us. And so I don't know what they said or did. But I do know what I've said and done to Christ and he forgave me. There's this passage in, in Colossians that I read at weddings, and it's always a bit, I read at the very end, and it's always like you can like feel the whole room go, what? Why would you read that here? Like, you know, you're the party pooper, you know? Like, why would you read that, you know? But it's, it's so good for us when we think about relationships. Colossians 3.13, bearing with one another. If one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive he doesn't say you could forgive. He says you must forgive. That's obligatory language. Bearing with one another. That doesn't sound very romantic. Yeah, but it's real. That's real. That's what it feels like to be friends. Sometimes it feels like you're just bearing with one another. A lot of the folks in the room have had to bear with me. I've had to bear with some of y'all. <laughs> it's, it, it's just how it goes. With real relationships with real people, it means stuff happens. And when it does, you must forgive. Best tip I've got for you is I reckon some of you guys need to go do some business with each other today. Probably some stuff that needs to get just dealt with. My best tip is not go and say, hey, I forgive you. I mean, you're, you're a real jerk. <laughs> but I mean, I want to dig deep because Jesus loved me. I mean, you're awful. You know that, right? <laughs> Just say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I mean, I'm just let's let the grace of God come. Bless those who curse you. Now, look, there are reasons to walk away. But I think many times we do it far, for far less than we should and far too quickly. Just a couple more. Be constant in prayer for one another. One of the rhythms we've always taken as a, as a movement 
is to be quick to check in with each other. We stay current with each other. We're constantly, you know, just staying, staying up to date on each other's lives, and we're constantly praying for each other. We take way more time before a conference like this to pray for each other than we ever do planning for the thing. Because we want to roll in with, like, a perfectly executed, like, conference strategy, and we're all, like, miffled each other, and there's all kinds of drama and all that stuff, and, you know, we haven't checked in, and this person's really struggling with this, and we didn't even know it, and then we... We just, we, we, we're constantly praying for each other. I'll tell you what, I know from experience, it's really hard to pray for someone and stay bitter at them for very long. Once you start praying for them, it's like all the joy of bitterness is gone. That's satisfying, like, yes, that you feel from feeding bitterness. It's really hard to do that and pray at the same time. Now, I want to say it's hard to do, but it's not impossible. In Luke 18, the Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed like this. God, I'm so thankful I'm not like other men. It's possible to pray like that. It's just hard. How many of us have done their own versions of that? God, you see how innocent I am in all this? Totally like the pure, white, driven snow in your presence, Lord, am I. And then there's this Gentile, church planner, friend of, over, friend of mine over here, and you see how awful they are and how perfect I am. Lord, they're in ministry, so don't smite them. Just, just, just give them endless diarrhea. Just, just projectile endless diarrhea. I'm trying hard, man. It's the graveyard shift. You've got to work hard. This is like... This is like middle school youth group right here, man. You got, you got to like be a little edgy to keep everybody, on, you know, like with you. So, okay. We can edit it out, you know, a little. Now, we pray constant prayers. We pray constant prayers for each other. But while we pray for them, we remember who we really are. Guilty, needy, messed up people just like them. You know what? I'm never innocent. I'm never totally innocent. Another one is just pray right away. Because a lot of us, I think we actually do get to praying, but it's not before we've gotten drunk on bitterness for a few days. Told a whole bunch of people, oh, I guess I should pray now. Yeah, now that you've spread it to everyone, yeah, you probably should pray. Well, all right. Just a couple more. I'm passionate about this, man, because I want us to make it. And the enemy doesn't want us to make it, man. Do life together. You cannot just go to conferences together. You actually have to do life together. This goes for you back with your, your staff and your leadership teams. You should be hanging out together and doing life together. Ministry is intense. We need to just be friends with each other. Like, we have to find times to do that. Jesus said, I've called you friends, and he really meant it. Isn't it amazing? So just think about it, the timing on this. He's just risen from the dead, right? You know, um, this is what Jesus just came back from the dead, and, and, and he took the time to build a fire on the beach and eat fish with his friends. Don't you think he had, you know, more important things to do? He just rose from the dead, Maybe he wants to go to heaven and see like a bunch of friends or something. I, I mean, 
He just took, I know that's not true, all right? I don't need you to all correct me after this. <laughs> Wasn't there a more efficient way to have this meeting? A fire and a beach and, ah, oh, it's a bit much. Where's the boardroom at? We do a, a cohort for emerging pastors and leaders, and, and we have a mandatory camp out that we do on the beach for like three or four days. We have to fish for our own food and all this kind of stuff. It's a, it's a lot of fun, especially if you're a non-camper. Um, oh, Ryan Marshall over here is a gifted worship leader, but a camper, he is not. He is not. So it's a, it's a real blast. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe I'm taking this beach thing a little too literally, but man, I think that Jesus is modeling something for us here that we'll miss. We'll just go right to, what did he say? Okay, it's not just what he said, what did he do? It's hard to treat people with a corporate, in a corporate way when you're eating fish with them on the beach and hanging out with them. It seemed like it happened a lot. They weren't like, whoa, Jesus is hanging out with us? This is weird. They just seemed to be like, yeah, this is, what we, this is what he does. He just hangs out with us. He does life with us. Open your homes to one another. What we, were, we were taught dining room table Christianity. And I've met church staffs that have never once hung out with each other outside of the office. I, I, someone in our church was on staff at another church, and they said that they, said that they, uh, they had a huge Super Bowl party. They bought all this food. They invited everybody. Everybody said they were coming. They bought all this food. They planned this whole thing, and not a single person on the staff team showed. And they just said they sat there on their couch, and they wept. We're not just co-laborers. We're friends. Stuff is not optional. Lastly, Care deeply for one another. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Weep with those who weep. Rejoice with those who rejoice. That's just caring deeply. It's not living a self-absorbed, oh, what, you know, you only matter because of how you bless me. No, it's, it's just, I care for you. In a genuine relationship, with, we weep with, when other people are weeping. Scott Saul says that envy will make you weep when others rejoice and rejoice when others weep. That's, that's a red flag. We should be weeping when our friends are weeping. We hurt because they hurt. Let's be alone for our love for one another. I charge you, next generation. We want you. We want you to make it. We want you to not just make it. We want you to, to rocket past us. Rocket past us. But you will not make it alone. You will not make it with NASCAR sticker partnerships, which is, you know, little sponsors that you've never met. You won't make it with Facebook friends. You might even come to ruin. You need genuine relationships. You have to fight for them yourself. We can't do it for you. All we can do is say you need them, and we can model them, but you have to fight for this yourself. Choose your friends wisely. People who are running for Jesus, let those be the ones influencing you. People who will call you out. Fight to go deep. In relationships, be quick to forgive one another, even when it hurts, and get a vision to grow old together in friendship. Get a vision for that. Just a couple of points on response. I, I do reckon some of you need to do business with each other. I know it's going to take some courage, but some of you guys need to do that. You can go find somebody in the room, and you don't need to go. You remember back in 1984 when you, no, it's, it's not necessary. 
to say, hey, I'm holding something in my heart. I just want to tell you, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I forgive you. We don't even talk about what it is. I just want you to know I want to get it out off my chest. Get it out. And let's hang out together soon. We, uh, just, some of you guys need to do some of that. And then some of you guys are here, and you're actually lone rangers, but you're just in this room, and nobody knows you're alone, but you, you know you're alone. And we can be, as, if we're not careful, we can, we can create a shame culture, even in a missional movement, where we're like, we're going to the nations, because they are all a bunch of sinners who need grace and confession and all that, and yet we ourselves, we ourselves aren't willing to raise our hands and say, hey, I'm alone over here, I'm struggling with some stuff, I've, I'm dealing with some sin, I need some help. And so if that's you... Man, today's your day, too. Today's your day. Go deep. Be vulnerable. Grab some people you came with or grab some of us. There's plenty of people who'd love to pray for you. And both.